Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This is a weekly podcast with new episodes every Sunday and Monday morning. The inspiration for this podcast was a desire to talk about things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After listening to this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible. And if you enjoy this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a monthly donation by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode. I wanted to open this episode today with a reading from Paolo Coelho's book, The Warrior of the Light. The warrior of the light is now waking from his dream. He thinks, I do not know how to deal with this light that is making me grow. The light, however, does not disappear. The warrior thinks, changes must be made that I do not feel like making. The light remains, because feel is a word full of traps. Then the eyes and heart of the warrior begin to grow accustomed to the light. It no longer frightens him, and he finally accepts his own legend, even if this means running risks. The warrior has been asleep for a very long time. It is only natural that he should wake up very gradually. Well, I love that reading, and I hope it resonates with everyone listening. I have really come to rely on that book, The Warrior of the Light, and if it's been resonating with you, I encourage you to pick up a copy for yourself. But why did I open this episode with that reading? Because today I wanted to talk about the stories we tell ourselves. The stories we tell ourselves about people, places, and things. The stories we tell ourselves about who we are and our self-worth and what we mean to other people and how we're perceived. The story about our worth and what we're here for, what our purpose is, what our passions are. The stories of what we deserve. And I really love that reading because it's about waking up. And as we wake up, we step away from some of the things that no longer serve us. So in that little reading, they talk about the word feel being a word full of traps. And that really resonated with me as we're talking about these stories because they feel so real when we are telling them to ourselves. And We're great actors and we have the script down pat and we've probably been telling ourselves the same stories our whole lives. And it really seems authentic and it seems true. But how often are these stories not protecting us, not helping us, but actually harming us? But before we dive into that, let's think about why do we tell ourselves these stories? And one thing that came to mind for me is that very often we do this to introduce a level of control that we don't have in out-of-control situations. Now, when I say that, you can think, of course, if I'm in danger or I'm in a moment of intense stress, I can make up a story and that adds some control. But when I'm talking about things being out of control, I'm also talking about positive things. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about opportunities, miracles, grace, all those good things that are also out of our control. And it's important to realize that we tell ourselves these stories in those moments as well. And specifically in those moments, 
How have these stories not helped us, but actually harmed us? Now, much like the character defects that I've spoken about in previous episodes, our stories probably saved us at one point in our lives. They probably protected us. And like character defects, what happens is over time, they become distorted and they no longer become this helpful, protective thing. They actually become liabilities. I'm sure many of us are actually pretty unaware of the stories we're telling ourselves because it comes into our lives and shows up in different ways under different names. We probably believe that some of our stories are just good boundaries. They're life experience. Our stories are discernment. They're a way to protect us and keep us safe. And in fact, as I said, they might be. But when we rely on them, all the time and we don't grow these stories and expand our vision of ourselves and the world these stories eventually begin to distort and they become walls around us that no one can breach and they begin to cut us off from newness from uncertainty from new experiences from challenges and ways that we can triumph through them They cut us off from opportunities to develop skills and strengths. They cut us off from vulnerability and connection. And sure, we might not get hurt, but will we ever allow ourselves to feel love, to be loved, to feel seen and known? So introducing this level of control into our lives by consistently relying on these stories What are we actually doing and saying? We're saying that all knowledge comes from me. It does not move through me. We're saying, I know all there is to know. I know all anyone needs to know. That sounds pretty grandiose, right? (laughs) For someone who's telling themselves a story to cut themselves off from an experience. But how do these stories show up? Because we wouldn't use them so often if they didn't actually help us in some ways. We create stories about all sorts of things. We create stories about how other people feel about us. We create a story about how other people perceive us, how they see us. We create stories about what they want from us, why they are using us. We create a story of our own unworthiness. And I actually spoke about this quite a bit in my episode on imposter syndrome because these stories can feel really true in these moments. If we're feeling insecure, if we're feeling unlovable, if we're feeling unlikable or unattractive, we can feel that that is so overwhelming and so out of control for us that if we introduce a story that we know what you're thinking about what we're thinking, (laughs) we can definitely cut ourselves off from the full range of experience and just narrow it down into a painful experience or an experience that we have to walk away from. And yeah, that's really hard, but at least we're in control of it. And I don't say this to point a finger at anyone because I actually think we all do it. So this is not about condemning anyone. This is about inviting us to take a look at what is the story I'm telling myself and how is that impacting my life? my relationships, my job, my friendships, my family, my self-perception? And is there anything I can do, almost like that guy in the story, to gradually wake up into the life I am in now 
and to show up for it and to receive it and to not allow my feelings or my thoughts to overtake the present moment. In some of my recent episodes, I spoke about different groups and how this shows up in their interactions and their self-perception. One of those episodes was the adult children of alcoholics episode, or the ones about the parentified children or growing up with enmeshed parents who relied on us and depended on us as if we were another adult. So why is this important when it comes to stories? Well, one of the most pervasive stories, and I think a lot of people listening might relate to it, is if you grew up in one of these environments and you had those experiences where you were fully responsible for someone's safety, you were responsible for basic needs, maybe you were responsible for the emotional needs of another adult. The story we tell ourselves in these situations as adults is that if I do not know what is going on, then something must be wrong. If I don't have an answer, no one has an answer. If I can't figure it out, no one can figure it out. And what does that do? That's our story of fear that we probably experienced in a very intense way as children being placed in adult situations where we had to figure everything out. But now, as adults, that no longer serves us because now we have access to resources, we have language, we have emotional intelligence, and we probably have some sort of a network or community that we can connect with and rely on. But how many of us still rely on that story instead and cut ourselves off from resources and solutions and brainstorming with other people and finding a way out of something because we feel like if we can't just get quiet and come up with a solution on our own it definitely can't exist so these stories are not just about other people it's about our capacity our worth what we deserve and what is available to us Growing up in a situation where you repeatedly experienced either physical or emotional deprivation can show up in your adult life as wondering if everything is limited. If we don't have access to things or if we can only receive things when we need them, not just when we want them, or we have to be in an emergency situation because we don't deserve what we want or need in any other situation. The thinking can be really distorted. And by talking about it, it's almost like that story I shared in the beginning. It's like the light gets slowly turned on and you get to wake up gradually. Because obviously anything I talk about on this podcast, we can weaponize and we can say, oh my God, I'm talking about this thing this week. I'm the worst person ever. I do that. Or we can show up in humility and say, you know what, I'm sure a lot of people do a lot of these things. And it's about introducing new levels of awareness and accountability to say, what is actually working for me and what isn't working for me? And am I willing to try something new? And for the group I mentioned earlier, whether it's an adult child of an alcoholic or someone who grew up as a parentified child, our story of fear is loud because we probably experience really intense consequences as children if we weren't hyper vigilant. So it's pretty scary in adulthood to say, oh, well, now I trust the whole universe because, (laughs) I don't know, I'm older or I'm taller, I have more money. 
um, it doesn't happen that instantly. It's really hard to let go of because that fear gets ingrained in us. And it can send us into a state of negativity and panic, which probably saved us in the past. But now as adults, maybe it makes us unreliable or overly emotional or unemotional and dissociating from experiences. Have you ever known someone who is great during a crisis? They could swoop in and save the day and have the solution. And they might even tell you that they thrive in these moments and they wear it like a badge of honor because it was something that was imprinted on them when they were very young that they had to be the savior. But they really struggle in the day-to-day experiences. You know, they can intervene and save everyone, but they're also unable to receive that regular flow of compassion and love. And that person has a story that they tell themselves too. They have a story about being hypervigilant, of living in fear, of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Maybe they have a story of earning their worthiness, earning their space. They have to be the savior because if they're not the savior, no one wants them around because they can only be around if they're needed, not just if they're wanted. So all of these stories, whether I've told your story or someone else's stories, they're there for us to unpack because they're not fixed. They're actually dynamic and they can evolve and grow along with us. As we mature and age chronologically, our stories can change as well. But we've gotten very rigid and we get really used to them. So by talking about this today, I'm encouraging you to kind of shake that up and say, all right, well, can I sit down and write a new story, tell myself a new story, exist in a new story? And the next time I'm presented with one of these situations where I would rely on my old story, what can I tell myself and will I listen? And maybe if you're listening right now, you're running through your own stories and thinking, in which areas of my life do these stories impact me the most? When have they been the most harmful and detrimental to me and my growth? Sure, maybe they kept me alive, but did they actually keep me alive at the expense of growing? And am I relying so much on that, that fight or flight survival, that I'm not allowing myself to thrive? How does that show up in work environments? How does that show up professionally? Are we cutting ourselves off? Are we telling a story about what we deserve, what we're worth, what other people expect of us, what we're capable of? How does it show up in relationships? Again, are we telling ourselves we deserve something other than what we want? Are we telling ourselves a story about what the other person wants and deciding for them that they don't want us because that would be safer than actually putting ourselves out there and just seeing what happens, being vulnerable and seeing, do they actually like me as me, the way I am, who I am in this moment? What about the stories we tell ourselves about our families and about what we're allowed to do and say and think and feel? What would happen if we actually challenged that and we shifted the roles around a little bit and we allowed it to be dynamic and flexible and not so rigid? And we were open to seeing how the story goes if we actually shift our own behavior. Because it's a lot easier to point fingers at everyone else and say, all right, well, the story would be different if you behave differently. And I don't know that works. So what would happen if we took accountability and looked at ourselves and said, well, what can I do differently? 
What can I change about this dynamic? How am I participating in this story? So I invite you to find nourishing moments of pause this week and drop into some of your own stories. Meditate on your relationship dynamics or memories of poignant moments and just allow the stories to rise to the surface. And check in. What stories have you told yourself about people, places, and things? What story have you told yourself about yourself? How often were you correct? And how often did your distorted perception and constantly seeking out flaws or negativity actually impact the situation or relationship and help turn it into a self-fulfilling prophecy? Because that's also an important aspect of checking in on our storytelling because we can say, well, see, I was right. Look at all those situations in my life where I called it, that person was doing this, that person was doing this. And it leads me back to the question that I always ask myself and I always encourage everyone listening to get into the habit of asking themselves. And that question is, what is my part in it? How does my dependence on my story cloud my vision or cut me off from you? What do I think would happen if I let you in? If I let you see me and know me, what would happen to me? What would I lose? But always bringing ourselves back to that question. What is my part in it? And I know that some people really struggle with that question. You get a lot of pushback when you bring that up because everyone assumes that you're always saying that you have some part in it. I'm not. Sometimes you don't have a part in it. But to get into the habit of consistently asking yourself that question is to open yourself up to willingness and to a new perspective and to always say, maybe I don't know all there is to know about this. Maybe I don't know all there is to know about my perception. Saying, what is my part in it consistently in developing that muscle is to be willing to see it differently, to show up differently, willing to have things unfold, not according to your plan, but according to a bigger plan and to allow you to drop into humility and just play your part in it. You don't have to be God. You don't have to be the one who's in charge of all the pieces. You can say, I'm going to show up and do my part, and that feels just right. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I'm a big fan of putting pen to paper and actually writing these things down. But in this case, I actually think if you just did an inventory every night and said, what story did I tell myself today? And you just run through every interaction you had, whether that was in person, via email, via text, on social media, anything. What story was I telling myself? And just check in and see, yeah, how often was I just deciding for someone else what they think about me? How often was I cutting myself down? How often was I preventing myself from something in the unknown, which actually might benefit me, and I'm just not aware of it? I wanted to close this episode with another one of my favorite quotes, and this is by Cheryl Strayed, and it's from her book, Wild. And the reason I wanted to share this specific quote is because it exemplifies the power of telling ourselves a new story and how that can change our perception of ourselves and our surroundings. I made it the mantra of those days. When I paused before yet another series of switchbacks, 
or skidded down knee-jarring slopes, when patches of flesh peeled off my feet along with my socks, when I lay alone and lonely in my tent at night, I asked, often out loud, who is tougher than me? The answer was always the same, and even when I knew absolutely there was no way on earth that this was true, I said it anyway. No one. Until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Before you close out of this episode, make sure to rate it or review it on whatever platform you're using and check Instagram and TikTok for daily journal prompts at Love Letters and Mixtapes. If you enjoyed this episode, consider making a monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode.